0: Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. You got your Bibles in First John. I, I want to tell you about a story that kind of sets up what we're going to talk about I read about an older fella, and he was kind of up in age, and he was running around in a small town. He was running around the track, which goes around the football field. And if you grew up in the Midwest, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Everything happens on the football field, does it not? In it, around it, on it, under it, everything happens around that event. So he's running around the track, and the boys are out there doing their wind sprints for football practice. And so he says to himself, I need to set a goal, so I'm going to try to keep running as long as they keep running. And so off they went, lap after lap. This old man kept looking in the infield, and there they were, running their sprints. And he's like, my goodness, how long are they going to run? He kept going lap after lap. They kept running. Finally, he just couldn't do it anymore. He finally just stopped. Crazy enough is when he stopped, so did the boys. So he started leaving the track, and one of the boys who was heading to the locker room ran up and said, Sir, I don't know who you are, but I'm so glad you finally stopped jogging. Because our coach told us, as long as that old man can keep running, you boys can keep sprinting. (laughs) Now, I say that because I think that's the way a lot of us do our Christian life. We're not walking and playing our cards as we're listening to the voice of God. Too many Christians are looking out to see what other Christians are doing. And then they're the comparison themselves. They're measuring up themselves to what others are doing. And I hear things like this. Well, I'm not as bad as he is. Well, I'm not as bad as she is. At least I'm doing this. At least I'm doing that. The question I have is, are you doing what God wants you to do? I care less what everybody else is doing. What if you and I could get out of that vicious cycle when it comes to playing the hand that we've been dealt? What if... We could actually have God over our shoulder and you could hear his voice telling you when to play each card and how to play them and why to play them. How many would like to learn how to recognize the voice of God and do exactly what God had purposed and planned for your life? Oh yeah, I'm sure everybody. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how. We're going to play a little game of five-card draw. Five cards that God deals to you, tests, if you will, If you want to know if God's speaking or not. And so if you've got your Bibles, I'm in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to begin in the first verse. Here's what it says. Dear children, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. I don't know if this is biblically accurate or not. I just think it's true to some extent. Sometimes the false prophet are the people that are sitting next to you. Because I don't want to live my life according to my earthly daddy and his wants for my life. I want to live my life according to my heavenly dad who has a will for my life. I don't want to live my life according to what a teacher is trying to get me to do or a coach so somehow I can fit in and I can receive the accolades that are only temporal for a moment. I would rather receive the applause of heaven than the applause of man. And sometimes I fear that too often when it comes to playing our cards, we tend to want to play them with the temporal people in our lives rather than the internal father within our life. Verse 2, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You dear children, you are from God and you've overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. Again, in the church, I hear people and I know denominations that are really struggling within this because they're using the culture to explain the word rather than the word to define the culture. I hear it over and over. But Pastor, things have changed. They may have changed. That's a sad reality, but my God has not changed. Amen. And so without sounding callous, I could care less where the culture is going, for I'm not gonna let the culture define the word. I have the word that's gonna define the culture. Right. Church, this is big. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christians, I fear, are not listening to the voice of God. Because when it comes to playing their hand, they're more interested in how it fits the culture. Rather than how it faiths them up to God. Look what he says. Verse 6, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. You got your notes. I want you to take them out and we're going to play a little five card draw. Is that okay? I'm going to give you five cards that God gives to you about how you know that it's him that's speaking to your life. But here's what you need to understand. You cannot pick and choose these cards to fit what you want. All five cards have to be played every time if you want to know if it's truly God speaking. And any time that you come into a decision in your life, if all five cards are played, you'll know it's God's voice every time. Are you ready for this? Play a little game, five card draw. Here's the first card. Does it agree with the Word of God? Does it agree with the Bible? When God is asking you to do something, you need to hear this. He will never tell you anything. He will never ask you to do anything that contradicts the word of God. It will never, never happen. Jesus said in Luke 21, heaven and earth will pass away. But my word, my words will never pass away. Folks, if it was true 5,000 years ago, it will be true 5,000 years from now. Boy, it's awful quiet in here. Folks, listen, if you're not in this, you're not going to hear the voice of God. If you don't know the word, Jesus said, your problem is you're ignorant. You don't know what the word says. In our world today, in a young cultural world, where kids are shacking up with one another, And claiming to be following Christ, I will tell you this, you're not. I know some people in this room will say, well, those young people ain't going to come back. I would say this, they probably were never here. Because I don't say to put them on a defense. I'm here to tell you this. God's word said you and I are to flee immorality. And the moment you step in, you're putting your feelings before his faith. You're putting your wants before his will. God did not write that in the Word to take away your fun. He knows for a moment you think what you're doing is fun, but in the end it's going to hurt. God gave us the Word to give us life. You want to have a relationship that's according to Jesus? Well, then it has to be in accordance with God's Word or you're not listening to the voice of God. And getting married doesn't fix the problem. Because sex outside of marriage is sin. A piece of paper doesn't say it's okay. It's when you get broken before God and say, we have sinned against you. That's when God's blessing comes. God doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to embrace you and show you what incredible marriage can be. What a relationships really built on? But we live in a world where people say, well, that's not going to be popular. Well, listen, I'm not here to be popular because I couldn't handle it anyway. I want to be obedient, because that's what the Bible says. If you love me, you'll obey my word. God's not here to destroy your fun, believe it or not. He's here to actually give you more fun. It's just the good eternal stuff. You see how it works? Galatians 1, Paul says this, let God's curse Fall on anyone who preaches any other message. Even if an angel comes from heaven and preaches any other message, let him be accursed. I don't know if you've ever heard these words, God said it, that settles it, and that's good enough for me. Any of you ever heard that? Or, or, Actually, it's said this way, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. You ever heard that? Well, I already said it the way it should be said. God said it, that settles it, and it doesn't matter whether I believe it or not. Because regardless of my opinion, nowhere in the Bible does a guy go, Keith, what do you think? <laughs> God wrote it. That settles it. He's the perfect God. He knows what's right. And then he calls me to trust that. And even if I don't, the word will not change. Y'all hear that? You want to hear God's voice? Does it agree with God's Word. Here's number two. The second card when you're wanting to know to recognize God's voice. Does it make me more like Jesus? Does it make me more like Jesus? God will never ask you to do anything. He will never speak into your life to go in a certain direction unless it makes you more like Jesus. Because God's more concerned about you growing up than rather you going out and what you're doing. That's what gets into be the problem. We spend more time trying to think, if I'm doing this, God's going to be impressed. Folks, the fruit naturally happens in a life that's connected to the vine. And so when God speaks into my life, everything he'll speak is to make me more like Jesus. That's the question you need to ask. If I make this decision, will it make me more like Jesus? By the way, the Bible says that. According to God's word everything this is to be a standard by which we evaluate everything and being like jesus the bible says in philippians 2 in your lives here's what it says you must think and act like jesus it's right in there so let me give you a couple things that you can know it's god's voice or if it's not here's first of all if it's motivated by bitterness or envy it's not god's voice that's the devil. God will never help you get even. God will never help you get revenge. And he will never allow you to be the center of attention. It's not going to happen. In the simple fact, Father, should we buy this car or not? God will say, check your heart. Are you buying that car so others will be impressed with you? So you can drive around and show off? Not a good decision. That's not my voice. God will never allow it. Here's a little rule of thumb, okay, coming back to God's word. Anytime you make a decision, you can't put a verse on it, don't make the decision. But just as true, anytime you make a decision and it doesn't lift up the name of Jesus, as if I buy it and I can't let my neighbor use it, I probably shouldn't get it. Because the Bible says if you want to be more like Jesus, you're to pick up a towel and wash feet. The goal is to get other people ahead. But if you buy something that you hold on to and no one else can use it, you probably shouldn't buy it. Because you can't take it with you. And God in heaven ain't going to get to heaven and goes, where's that motor home? (laughs) That you you had to have. I'm just being upfront with you. Here's the second thing that'll help you. If it's motivated by selfish ambition, it's not God's voice. Talk about selfishness. I read a story about a man who just finished a book entitled, You Get to Be the Man of the House. Yeah. And it inspired him. Dude, you must have been the guy. Anyway, so, so <laughs> it inspired him. He comes walking in the kitchen and says, baby, from now on, I am the law around here. That's what he said. He said, tonight you're going to prepare me a gourmet meal and when you clean the dishes away you're going to serve me an incredible dessert. Then after dinner you're going to draw me a bath. And then you're going to put on some soothing music, wash my back and towel me dry, and then bring me my robe. You're going to massage my feet to relieve any last bit of tension so I can sleep like a baby. Then tomorrow, sweetheart, guess who's going to dress me and comb my hair? She looked at him and said, the mortician? (laughs) And all God's women said, amen. Folks, if you want to know God's speaking in your life, it will make you more peace-loving. It will promote harmony and unity. You become more considerate of others, just like Jesus. When God speaks, and you know it's the voice of God, it'll make you like Jesus. Here's the third card. If you want to know if it's God's voice, does my church family confirm it? Or in other words, what are other godly people saying about the decision you're getting ready to make? or maybe the decisions you've already made. I don't know if you've ever heard about Sven and (laughs) Oli. I always like saying their name because people just start laughing, I don't even get it. But they're standing at the base of a flagpole looking up when a woman comes walking by and she says, what are you doing? And Sven says, well, we're supposed to find the height of this flagpole, but we don't have a ladder. She rolls her eyes and she takes a wrench out of her purse and she loosens a couple of bolts and then lays the pole on the ground. Then she takes a tape measure out, and she measures it. And she looks and says, it's 21 feet, 6 inches. Then she walks away. Oli begins shaking his head, going, man, just like a woman, just like a woman. You ask for the height, she gives you the length. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's true in our world. I think a lot of us, when it comes to justifying the voice of God, we look for others who will agree with you instead of wrapping ourselves with people who actually can speak into you. And there's a difference. We're living in a world of more isolation when it comes to our opinions than we are of diversity, of people helping us get better and healthier. Ephesians 3.10, I want everybody to read this out loud with me if you would. God's intent is that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known. Here's Here's what Paul is saying. If God is really speaking to you, are other godly people confirming it? Are you even asking others their opinion saying, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Proverbs 11 says, the wisdom of the righteous can save you. The wisdom of the righteous. See, I think one of the biggest reasons why we struggle in life when it comes to opinions, and I think one of the reasons we make a lot of bad choices is because we don't consult other godly people. We too often consult our worldly people. And let me ask for a show of hands, and I'll put my hand up and keep it up. How many of you would be honest and say, you know, Pastor, boy, there's a lot of decisions. When I look back, I wish I would have talked to others first. Oh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? By the way, the Proverbs 11 agrees. It says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In the multitude of counselors. Here's card number four. Is it consistent with my shape? Is it consistent with my shape? Now, let me help you what that is. The word shape is actually an acronym. And it stands for five things in your life that we've already talked about, but I'm going to put them up here anyway. Everybody here has a spiritual gift. Everybody here has been endowed by God with a spiritual gift. Now, here's the good news. Everybody has one. Here's even a better news. No one has them all. Even though in the church there are some people I've met who think they do. Okay? All right? And they're happy to help you all the time. Okay? But, but everybody here has a spiritual gift. God will never ask you to do something that doesn't fit in the spiritual gift. Here's, here's the second thing. Heart. And I'm not talking about the thing pulsating in your chest. I'm talking about your passion. Have you ever noticed there's some things in life you're just passionate about? You're like, where did that even come from? Because God put it there. God put this incredible heart within you. He also gave you abilities. I think it's so fun that some people can work with wood and some people can't. Some people have this knack of music, they just see this thing and it just happens. Some people can't. They can't. Some people are mostly, they're just what I call prison singers. They're always behind a few bars. You know what I mean? I mean, it doesn't matter what they do. Okay? Some of you do not look to that person left of you. Do not do it. Okay? How about personality? Everybody has a personality. And too often in a relationship, we're always trying to change it rather than embrace it. God knew exactly. I had a gal come up to me one time. She goes, I could never be a leader in this church. I wish you'd quit using that word. And I said, why? And I, by the way, she's OK. I'm using this. And I said, why? She goes, because I could never get up there and preach like you. And I said, sweetie, you will never get up there and preach. OK? I mean, it doesn't have to be like me. It's not going to happen. Because you'd have to meet her. I'm trying to grow a church. Okay? And I told her, and she's like, oh, really? And I said, you, you've confused leadership of being up front. When Jesus modeled leadership of just serving and washing feet. And I said, baby, you do that better than anybody I know. And she just smiled. She got tears in her eyes. And she goes, I guess I'm a leader. I said, oh, yeah. In an incredible way. Everybody has a personality that God ordained. But everybody has experiences. Experiences. And some of you have gone through some really painful experiences and you're looking back and you continue to say, God, I don't get it, I don't get it. And what God wants to do is he wants to use it. The Bible says that he allows things in our lives so then we can come alongside others and walk with them as well. You've got to quit looking at your pain and give it to God and let him use it for his gain. It's just that simple. We're all been shaped by God. Paul even said it in Galatians 1. He said, He who had set me apart before I was born and then called me by his grace, before you were born, God had already been putting a shape in your life and building you. He'd set you apart for a specific purpose. So write these words down. Your shape determines your significance. Your shape determines your significance. By the way, because we're in a little serious moment, I'll just throw another story in here. It's about a pastor who went to the dentist to get his false teeth. I don't know if you've ever had that done. I haven't yet. But, but the first Sunday, he gets into the pulpit, and his gums hurt so much, he can only talk for eight minutes. The next week, he can only talk for 10 minutes. But the third week, he goes on for two hours and 48 minutes until the church actually mobs him at the pulpit, pulls him down off the stage, and then says, what is wrong with you? He says, well, it's easy to explain. Man, those first week, my dentures, my gums hurt. I could only talk eight minutes. The next week, they hurt so bad, I could only talk for 10 minutes. But I got up this morning, and I accidentally put my wife's teeth in. <laughs> I will not say, in all God's men, okay? I won't say it. Because <laughs> if you don't have false teeth, you're about to get them, okay? All right? <laughs> But Ephesians 2, what is it about that moment? Man, not one woman in this room is going to laugh. You know what I mean? She's like, what are you talking about? See, okay, nothing. Anyway, but the Bible says in Ephesians, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Watch what it says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Just like this guitar stand it was created by a master in such a way it would hold this guitar and its shape gives it its certain its significance i would never take that guitar off and try to set on it it wasn't made for that and the bible actually speaks into that it says god has given each of us the ability to do certain things well which also means there are certain things you shouldn't be doing God gave you a shape and anytime he speaks into your life it will be in harmony with your shape he will never ask you as a square to be in a round hole and so it's very important you understand that when God is speaking into your life here's the final card and this is a big one and I'm going to go ahead and turn it over because it comes to, again, the king of hearts. Do I sense God's peace in making this decision? This is important because if you're feeling pressure in a moment in life and making a decision, if you feel overwhelmed or you're feeling anxious, it's probably not from God. God's protecting you by giving you those things. Folks, any of that stuff you're feeling that isn't peace, it's probably the burrito you had. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you just as well blame something. But you can know that God is speaking, and here's why. Because the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. No peace, make no decision. And I want you to catch this. God will never, ever, ever create anxiety and worry in your life. He won't do it. He just won't do it. So what I want to do, I'm going to ask the team to come to the stage. And I want in closing, I'm going to invite Pastor Reed up here. And uh, I want to I show you something in closing. I'm going to play these five cards out in my life when Kay and I moved to Sioux Falls. It all began in August of 1998. I was in California for the first time. I was out all by myself. My wife was in Williston, North Dakota. The only reason we were in Williston, North Dakota is because in Christmas of 97, I went into my dad's office and said, I think God wants me to leave. I'd been with him three different times. This was my third event with him. I'd been there three years. And I said, I want to go back to school. And my dad said, where are you going to go? I said, well, I've picked three schools. I picked Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky. Bethel Seminary in Minneapolis and North American Baptist in Sioux Falls. He goes, where do you think you're going to go? And I said, I think I'm going to go to Sioux Falls. Wait a minute. So in the turn of the year, I was doing some speaking for FCA and FFA and some of their uh, national stuff. and, And I had this opportunity to go up into Williston, North Dakota, and then on to do a revival. I was on kind of a little tour in February of '98. And I'm in Williston, North Dakota. I get done speaking, just doing a normal, routine event. And the pastor says, you want to join my staff? And I'm like, nope, I'm moving to Sioux Falls. He goes, well, why would you move to Sioux Falls? I said, because I'm going to be going to seminary. I know God wants me to continue my education. He says, you can go across the border. We have a school just in Canada called Briarcrest Biblical Seminary. I said, why don't you call my dad up? Because my dad was an accountability in my life still is. And I knew my dad would get rid of him. And on Monday, I went into the office and I said, did you call my dad? And he said, yep. And I said, what did he say? He goes, you call him. So I called my dad that night. My dad began to weep on the phone. He says, take the job, move there. I've been praying for this for years. I began to cry. That was in February of 98. In May of 98, we moved to Williston, North Dakota. I began seminary. That's why I was out in California. As part of my classwork to be at the Purpose Driven Conference where Rick Warren is the pastor at Saddleback was my first time that I met Saddleback Community Church. The very first night I'm in the motel room, my phone rings, no kidding. And there's a guy on the phone and he says, hey, I pastor a church and I'm looking for a church planner or a youth pastor, which one you want to be? I said, I appreciate the phone call. I said, God has called me right now to attend school. I'm already enrolled up in Canada. I'm up and living in Williston. Thank you. Hung up. He would continue to call for the next several months. But at that time, two weeks after roughly that phone call, I hung up. My district superintendent calls and says, you have to leave Williston. I'm like, God, what are you doing? I don't get it. He goes, well, Keith, I know you spent five years in Rapid City, and we have a church we're gonna close there, and we'd like you to consider maybe being a pastor and maybe taking and restarting that church. I got excited about that because I like the Black Hills. I like the smell of pine. I knew people that I've created relationships, and they would help me get this church turned around. And so I started making calls. We went down and visited the church. We were so excited it was happening. This gentleman kept calling me saying, I'm looking for a church planner, a youth pastor, which one you wanna be? I'd call my dad and say, God, I said, my dad, literally, I felt like he was God. I'd say, Dad, by the way, we got raised better if you did. Anyway, so, um, but mom liked it if she did. Anyway, but, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I call my dad and said, Dad, how do I get rid of annoying people? And I'd tell him, and we'd talk about Rapid. And, and then in February of 1999, I'm at a conference in Rapid City where all the pastors gather and the pastor who kept calling me walks up with an envelope and says, I need a church planter. Everything you need's in it. I took the envelope. I didn't open it. I went to my motel room with my wife, and, and I called my dad. I said, Dad, I got a problem. I said, you know that pastor I've been telling you about? Well, now he handed me all the stuff I need to plan a church, and I'm really kind of getting frustrated. But, Dad, what's weird is, is even though he's annoying, I know I'm supposed to move to Rapid City, but I have all these questions. And he says, well, Keith, I'm a little confused because the Bible says a man who doubts is like the surf of the sea. He's driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man think he'll receive anything from the Lord. I said, Dad, I don't get it. I keep asking God for answers. He keeps giving me more questions. He goes, Keith, you're not listening to God. He's giving you answers by giving you questions. If you knew you were supposed to be in Rapid, then why are you even calling me? I got off the phone. I started crying. I still feel it. That peace that just passes all understanding. I looked at Kay, and she goes, What's wrong? I said, Nothing wrong. We're moving to Sioux Falls. I knew it in my heart then. Because we had been in the Word. We'd been praying. And I knew that What I wanted to do was be like Jesus and care about lost people. That was what I was driven by. And every time this pastor would call, one of the things I wasn't telling you, he would say, I'm looking for a youth pastor, church planner, but let me tell you about church planning. There's a lot of lost people in Sioux Falls, they need another church. And I just knew that was where my heart was at. All of our youth ministries were built not in trying to reach the kids within the church. It was trying to get those kids outside the church because I knew if we could reach kids outside the church, you reach someone's child, you'll reach them as a mom and dad. And we'd been such a part of that. I've been calling my dad over and over and saying, Dad, what do you think about this decision? What do you think about this decision? And my dad would always tell me what I didn't want to hear. That peace. And it fit who I was and how God had wired me, and it was just pulsating and drawing me and so in March, the very next month, we flew out. We had to land in Mitchell because the fog was so bad, they closed the airport here. By the time we got to our motel room, it was in the wee hours of the morning. We barely slept. We got up the next morning and went to our interview. And I already knew I was, this, I was the guy. And that was at Linwood Wesleyan Church underneath the leadership of Bill Canan. And I'm still indebted to them for this day. In that interview, they said, our youth, past, our, our youth children, they're having a lock-in. They're at a school, a Christian school in town. Would you come speak to them, you talk about God's sense of humor. The first time I ever spoke in this city was right there when this was a school. First time. And I just wonder if God just went, man, I'm good. I'm just telling you. <laughs> he has no idea. And I think all the angels are like, huh? It's like watch, just watch, man. This is why I'm God, you're not. You know it. But the peace that passes all understanding. All five cards. Did you turn one over for me? Just one. And I want you to look over my shoulder. I told you. What if? What if God really is over your shoulder telling you when to play your cards? And that's what you see, and it looks so good. You're like, wow, man. But one of the cards doesn't fit, but you naturally just want to look away from it. Just want to kind of hide it and say, my goodness, a run of four is pretty darn good. And they're all hearts. But God didn't call you to play four in a row. He wants you to play a royal flush. So here's what I want to encourage you, people. When you look at your card, and one of the cards isn't what it needs to be, Don't fold your hand. Never fold your hand. Never, 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 never throw your cards in. You hold on to them and remember what the word of God says. Those who wait upon the Lord will always have the winning hand. And if God never changes it, don't you make a decision. Don't you dare make a decision. You hold on to those cards and you wait for God's voice to fully be complete. But when you look at it, And all five of them, it's biblical, it's making you like Jesus, oh my goodness, it fits your shape, other people are confirming it, and the peace that passes all understanding, play the hand and bet the farm, (laughs) because you'll win every time. Father God, you're amazing, you're absolutely amazing. Too often, our wants get ahead of your will. It's easy to do. We have something that we so think we need, but it gets us in trouble every time. God, I pray that we would learn all five cards, all of these tests, every one of these that you've given to us that we've drawn. God, let us not lean on our understanding. Let us hold to the voice of God. You'll be clear. You're not going to let us down. You've got us. You're not going to fail.